Welcome to Bills by the Numbers, where we let the stats let you know where the Bills are at. And where are the Bills better than their AFC competitors? We run down the list. Steve is put to the test on teams with the most broken tackles in the run game. And ESPN analytics writer Seth Walder joins us to assure Buffalo fans that it's all still in front of the Bills. Can somebody see the first down marker? Glad to have you with us here on Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker and Bills Insider Chris Brown with you, as always. And Steve, in the wake of a shocking and humbling loss at the hands of the Jaguars, there were Bills fans ready to pack it in for the 2021 season. In many respects, all hope was lost. Before we even get into the stats that say otherwise, Steve, There are nine more regular season games left to be played, as you know. So first lay out how important it is to realize the many changes the season can still take going forward in many ways for the better for the Bills. Yeah, even if the Bills go on to win the Super Bowl, they could still go through a couple of weeks or a couple of games or stretches like they went through in Jacksonville. They could still lose a couple of tough games on the noggin and still go through and and achieve all their hopes and dreams. I mean, there's nine games left in the regular season. The playoff seating hasn't begun to be settled yet, particularly in the Bills Conference, the AFC Conference. There's 11 teams with five wins or more, and only two teams have more than five wins, Tennessee and um, whoever that other team might be. I can't remember exactly who it is. It's uh, Baltimore. So the the Baltimore Ravens and and the Tennessee Titans are the only teams that have won more than five games. There are nine teams that have won five games at least in the conference. Nobody knows how this is going to shake out. There's a lot of football to be played. And the Bills, I think most people will will say, aside, the defense, maybe they've played, some good, they've played good football, but I don't think offensively this team's played its best football yet. Um, yeah, there's a, still a lot left under the hood in Buffalo. So I think everything's still in front of them, and I'm, I still think they're going to put together a nine-game stretch here that's going to be a lot of fun for Bills fans. Yeah, I was particularly taken with Jordan Poyer's comments this week. We had him on One Bills Live, our daily show, and I asked him point blank, Coach McDermott told us this week his message to you, the players, was this is a physical game and we need to be more physical, or it's a game that's played in a physical way, we need to be more physical. And (laughs) I think it's because he recognized that in the three losses this team has had, They lost the battle at the line of scrimmage and maybe to a certain extent lost the physical battle as well. And I asked Jordan Poyer, what's the result of that in the locker room? And he said, message received. I am, I am expecting and anticipating a very determined and laser focused group here coming out of this loss, which I think many could argue is the worst in the Sean McDermott era, just in terms of expectations going in the caliber of team, his roster is compared to that of Jacksonville with a first-year head coach and a rookie quarterback. So I, I'm expecting a resounding response this week. Now, yeah, now I would, for the stat, I go would ahead. too, yeah. No, I would too. That's exactly what I think. It, it'll, it'll be a real gut check to see how good this team is to see them respond to an embarrassing loss like that because good teams are able to do that. Yeah. Now for the stats, though. I think we'd all agree that among the other contenders to keep an eye on for the Bills – are probably Baltimore, maybe Cincinnati, I'm not sure, Cleveland, Las Vegas, 
the Chargers and Tennessee. We can argue some others, but for now, we'll look at those six. So right now, heading into week 10, the Bills are better than all of those teams in third down conversion percentage. They're superior to Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Tennessee in the passing game. And they're superior to all six in points per game. As we know, the Bills have been one of the highest scoring teams in the league. Perhaps even more important than that, though, they're better than all of them in total defense, points allowed in pass defense. They're even better than all but Cleveland in run defense. So is there an AFC contender that the Bills can't play with? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, the Bills are a, a solid football team from top to bottom. And, you know, it was a, it was a classic game. Um, and, you know, it's easy to say the, the old cliches, it was a trap game going down to Jacksonville with a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach, and you just uh, came off a division win where you looked horrible and won by 15 points. Uh, Tough to dredge up some passion for a team like that, uh, but you got to do it. I mean, you got to play well. You got to play better. You don't even have to play well if you're the Bills. You got to play better than you did. They got caught by, on a game that they were flat emotionally, and they got caught in a time at a time when their offensive line was not able to step up to the plate and play well. So the injuries really caught up to them. At the same time, they had a flat performance, and it ended up being a three-point loss. So, yeah, there's nobody in the conference of the Buffalo Bills, particularly if they're healthy should even think twice about getting into and, and going toe-to-toe with. Yeah, and I think this has been the argument as to why Buffalo has been ranked so high with such lofty expectations from the jump. In many respects, comparing them to a lot of those other teams that I just listed that are firmly in this tightly packed group near the top tier of the AFC, they're, they're still the most complete team on both sides of the ball. And you can even argue they're special teams with one of the best kickers in football, maybe this side of Harrison Butker and Justin Tucker. I mean, you might have the third best kicker in the league. So right. you, you roll it all together and you say, well, yeah, Buffalo is firmly in the conversation just because of what they can put out on the field every single week, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams. So maybe, Steve, with that in mind, the better question is, whether there's an AFC contender that isn't a good matchup for the Bills. You can say the Bills are better than a lot of these teams, but is there a matchup where eh, this team's just got their number because of what they bring yeah. to the table? I, I don't know if I can say that. I would say it depends on the week you play these guys. I'm, all of these <laughs> teams, and the Bills included, are riding a roller yeah. coaster this year. The Cincinnati Bengals, we talked a lot about it during the weekend on the show, that the Bengals were the number one seed in the AFC two weeks ago. Now they're the eight seed two weeks later. <laughs> it's a it's a quick and precipitous drop when you start not to play well. So all of those teams on a given week could be the one seed or out of the playoffs. That's how tight a race it is halfway through this season. The, now the next nine games, nine weeks, are going to tell us an awful lot about how things iron out. The team we haven't even mentioned is the New England Patriots. They seem to be on a slow, steady ascension towards the top of the, you know, top of the heap in the AFC, certainly in the AFC division, East Division, with the Bills. They're a half a game back after half the season, uh, wow. after being as many uh, multiple games back just a month ago. So they're getting better. Uh, I think it really, depending on what game and what week you play these teams on, any of these teams could feel like they could walk in there and be the one seed at the end of it. But they've got to do it consistently. And I think the lack of consistency for these teams is what has stood out the most in this AFC race. Yeah, and I've made this point, too, before. My concern lies with the evidence we've seen when they face 
teams that can physically mash at the line of scrimmage, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and now Jacksonville, who summoned it up in a given week. I don't think they are physical week by week by week. They just were against the Bills. But it does raise concerns for me as to whether or not the Bills can match that physicality at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Sometimes they have, and sometimes they haven't. But as you have said several times over, if you don't bring it in that game, you're going to wind up on the wrong end of the scoreboard. So that's why I worry if they cross paths with Tennessee again, with or without Derrick Henry. There's uh, another that's team why in I there am too. a little bit. Yeah, There's, I'm, I'm, like Indianapolis is another right. one of those teams. Cleveland's another team like that. Yeah, that can run the ball very well and has a lights-out defense. So yeah. those are the matchups that concern me the most because if the Bills aren't bringing it on that given day at the line of scrimmage and or they're not healthy, as we saw last week, those are the concerns that I harbor uh, for the fortunes of this team. Right. So if you had to pick, Steve, a team from maybe the second tier in the AFC, just below the division leaders, who might you keep an eye on in the second tier of AFC teams, knowing how tightly packed this is and knowing a couple of wins in a row and they could be right up there in the top tier very quickly. One team that's laying in the weeds for me, it's, and I said this too, uh, uh, 11 teams in the conference have five wins. So all those, and, and then there's Baltimore and Tennessee with six and seven wins respectively. Um, the team that is not a part of that group would, to me, that could still do it is the Indianapolis Colts. We saw them come into Buffalo last year with Phillip Rivers and give the Buffalo Bills as good a game in Highmark Stadium as any other team did all season. Uh, They are starting to get it together. They switched quarterbacks. And I think with Carson Wentz and the offensive line that they have and the athletic defense that they have, they're a team that could kind of hang around, hang around, and sneak into the playoff picture at the end of the season. Plus, if, you know, and – you know, I both know if they can slip into the picture and get in the bracket, they could do some damage, particularly with Carson Wentz there as the athlete that he is and with the coaching that they have and the experience that they gained last year in the playoffs. So I I think the Indianapolis Colts are a team that has absolutely gone from, well, I think they were like 0-3 to begin the season, have found them their way back into the conversation just below those nine teams that have five wins. Yeah, I think the reason, and I'm agreeing with you, Indianapolis is my pick as well, and I think the, the main reasons why are some of what you have already stated. This team can run the ball on anyone. They're the fifth-best rushing team in football. They have a, a budding superstar in Jonathan Taylor, and I think their defense is coming together. It's getting better as the season goes on. They have guys with superstar ability on that side of the ball in DeForest Buckner. Uh, and the linebacker whose name's escaping me, who kind of leads the league in tackles and just Darius Leonard extension. Yeah. Thank you. Darius Leonard. Uh, they've got big time players on that side of the ball. The only thing that's, that's going to bite them in the rear end is a wonky play from Carson Wentz, which will happen every so often in the course of a game. So if they can keep that at bay, that's a team that I think is going to make a run here uh, in the second half. We'll have more on the teams to monitor in the AFC coming up in our discussion with ESPN analytics writer Seth Walder, who will outline some of the key components of ESPN.com's football power index. Time now, though, for the numbers game, where we quiz Steve on just about anything that's tied to NFL football. And with a lot of Bills fans concerned about Buffalo's run game, we're going to task Steve with trying to guess 
five of the top 10 teams in broken tackles on run plays. I know we're, we're getting out in the weeds here and some of these advanced statistics, but teams, Steve, that do best when it comes to getting away from would be tacklers. I know you're probably not ready, but we're going to do this anyway. Fire up the music. Here we go. Let's give it our best shot. Um, So get just, you're just naming teams here, not players. So who do you think has a lot of broken tackles this year with their run game? I will say Baltimore. <clears throat> okay. Uh, top 10. Let's see if they are. Are they number 10? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They are number 10, Steve. Correct. Thank you. My other my other one would be Cleveland. Cleveland is number two. 25 broken tackles. You're two for two, Steve. Then I would say, of course, Tennessee. Believe it or not, Tennessee way down on the list. What? Yeah, they're like almost 20. I was shocked. All right. Because I, I, I understand your 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 aiming point here. You're looking for teams that run the ball a lot, yeah. have a lot of attempts, so naturally right. they'd have a lot of broken tackles, you would think. All right. I will say um, I'll say Indianapolis. Indianapolis is correct. They are number seven, 19 broken tackles on the season. So, you know, Cleveland has 25. Baltimore has 18. Those are the teams you have guessed correctly. My next one would be Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati is number nine. Correct. They, nice job. Steve, you're killing it. All right. This is just the AFC, right? I mean, that's what I'm. No, it's the whole league. It's oh. the whole league. So you got, you got free reign on wherever you want to go here. Okay, then the I'm, in that case, has been I'll, very kind to you. I'll say Dallas. Dallas is not on this top ten list. Uh, they're actually way down. I don't even. Where the heck are they? Oh my gosh, they are twenty eighth. <laughs> you know, another team that I would guess a lot about would be San Francisco. That would make sense, but they too are not. Wow. On this list, yeah, I think. If you think about it, Steve, Tennessee's run game success, which we witnessed firsthand in week six in San Francisco's huge lanes for those guys. So they're not having to spin away and escape people. I will give you a hint since you only need one more. Think of teams that have quarterbacks that do a decent amount of running the football. Oh, the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are on this list. Number six. On the list, okay. I didn't. I, uh, they, yeah, I was. They're tied with Indianapolis. There. Nineteen broken tackles. So you've got five out of ten. You've solved, uh, and or fulfilled the request of mine. Five of the top. Let 10 me see teams. if I can get another couple. Sure. I will say Kansas City. Not Kansas City. No. Really? They they're terrible. They might. Well, they don't run enough. I don't think number right. one, and then. Yeah, they're dead last in broken tackles. Really? Six. All right, I'll say uh, Tampa Bay. No on Tampa Bay. So here are the other five. I give Steve. up. The leading the league in broken tackles in the run game. Philadelphia with 28. Obviously, Jalen Hurts runs a fair amount. Okay. Number three is New Orleans. Alvin Kamara's been running the ball a ton here. They're going to try to curtail that here in the Chicago. Pick. 
Chicago is in there. They are fourth. They were the yeah, very next sense. team. Young followed by followed by Denver and uh, and Arizona. Kyler Murray. So the only right. and three a three headed running back monster. So those are your top ten teams in broken tackles in the run game this wow. season. I know it's a little bit of an esoteric stat, but we thought it would be fun. And you did well, Steve. You did really I, well. I did all That's right. That's two weeks in a row you've been. I did all right. I didn't do well. I did game. okay. I think you were five of eight. Or was, like you tell me your grandmother says all the time. No, you did good, honey. You did good, honey. <laughs> <laughs> After you suck. <laughs> all right. Well done there, Steve. Uh, attention, all daily fantasy players. Right now, new customers can get a 20% deposit bonus up to $500 on your first deposit. Just sign up today by going to fanduel.com slash bills. That's fanduel.com slash bills. Fanduel, the official partner of the Buffalo Bills. Time for our discussion about how, despite Buffalo's unexpected loss to Jacksonville, there are still very good odds that the Bills are one of the teams still standing at the end of this 2021 season. How do we know? ESPN.com's Football Power Index, of course, and here to break it down for us is ESPN analytics writer Seth Walder. Okay, Seth, uh, we needed you on this week because I'm going to have you double as a therapist for Bills fans <laughs> after the 9-6 loss at the hands of the Jaguars, and we're using your guys' football power index to kind of help assuage the wild range of emotions that Bills fans have gone through for the better part of the last week. And I think they have to at least be encouraged that after what many are terming one of the worst losses in the McDermott era in terms of expectations, that you guys still have the Bills near the top of your football power index. That's right. We have them at number two and not that far off from the Bucks, who are number one. So that's basically saying we think the Bills are going forward the second best team in football. And like, I'll be honest, I was surprised. Like on Monday morning, first thing I do is check the model, see what it says. And I, I didn't think Buffalo would fall that far. I thought going into Sunday Night Football, I would have guessed they would have dropped to four um, after the Rams, you know, had a disappointing game against the Titans. I would have thought three. Uh, but we still have them ahead of the Cardinals, too. I was a little surprised, but you look at it, and the model's seeing a couple of things. Looking at the entire body of work this season, I know that Buffalo has not played as well recently, but, like, when we're look, talking about teams playing eight or nine games, it's not a huge sample size. you got to look at the whole thing, right? And so Buffalo has obviously had some really impressive games. Two shutouts is a you know, huge deal. Uh, and it is really the defense that drives our projections for Buffalo. That's obviously been the big expectation beater for them this year. So yeah, the model's pretty optimistic about Buffalo. I think I think it's totally understandable that Bills fans are concerned. Uh, given that loss. It was a dramatic underperformance, but going forward, the model still really likes this team. How good is the Bills defense? Because you know, Bills fans watch it and and they've gotten a lot of turnovers and stuff. But you know, they they get some sacks, uh, some pressures. Uh, they're pretty good against the run. They just and they you know, Tredavious White doesn't get picked on a lot, uh, so they don't really have this guy who's like, wow, look at this defensive player who's playing great. It really does seem to be a group of eleven guys or maybe fifteen guys if you go down to the sub packages. And, you know, they rotate in their D-line. There's a ton of guys involved in this defense and how well it's playing. How good is it? And does it need to be, like, more spectacular to be considered great? 
I, I personally, I totally agree with your description of the, like the reason why they're good, because that's the thing when they started playing so well at the beginning of the year, I, I did the same thing you did. I'm kind of like looking at this team, like, so who is the, who is the reason? Like, what is the thing? And it's, it's not one singular person. No, I do think that Tredavious White, like if we look at his numbers, they have been uh, really good this year. So it's, it's maybe like, I think there's less chatter about it than two years ago when he was particularly strong, but he's playing really well. To answer your first question, how good is this Buffalo defense? Well, they've been the best defense in the league. I mean, if we think about it from an expected points added perspective, which is how we generally look at things, um, which is basically think of it like yards per play, but we're talking, we're considering the context of down and distance um, and, and, and also turnovers. But I think the reason why I'm sold on this defense is that it's you mentioned turnovers and they've had success with that, but it's not just the turnovers. One thing I like to look at is say, what if we pull out interceptions? What if we pull out fumble plays and, and where do they, where do they stack up if we pull that out from every team? And they're still number one in EPA per play when we do that. And to me, that is like the real, that's a really good sign. Like I, I looked a couple of weeks ago at Dallas and when we did the same thing, but pulled out with Dallas, they dropped a lot in, in that. So it was saying like on a play-by-play basis, Dallas's defense wasn't as good, but they were getting turnovers. Buffalo doesn't really have that problem. Their gap closes, the gap closes, but you know how, how strong a number one they are, but they're still really good. So I, I'm pretty optimistic. I do think the reasonable critique is the, is the schedule, right? Um, they played an easy schedule. Those two shutouts were not against good teams, but the optimistic version off of that is that Buffalo has an easy schedule the whole way, right? Like they, they played an easy schedule. They have an easy schedule going forward. That doesn't, that's going to go out the window in the playoffs, of course. But I do think there's, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about this defense. So Seth on your football power index page on ESPN.com, not only is the power index sitting there, you also have a projections tab and an efficiencies tab and on the projections tab, I'm trying to pump up bills fans to make them feel better here. On the projections tab, they are still 34% to make the Super Bowl, which last I checked was the highest percentage there. And then they were second in percentage to win the Super Bowl at 17 and a half. They were only behind Arizona uh, with those numbers. Now, I don't know if they changed through the course of the week, but last I checked, that's where they stood. Can you just kind of help us explain how those projections are reached as you know, knowing it's a moving target week to week. Sure. So the way it works is we have this rating, right? And the rating is what we've been talking about. And that's, that gets updated every week, right? Based on, on, on how you play and who you played against. Did you beat expectations? And so that, that shifts as we go along, but at any given moment, we have this predictive rating for every team. And then we simulate out the season 20,000 times every morning. And so it knows, right, that when the Bills play the Jets, that the Bills are most likely going to win. You simulate it 20,000 times, sometimes the Jets are going to win. And sometimes the Bills are going to win. Most of the time, the Bills are going to win. You do that for every game, including the playoff, like seeding the playoffs, go through the playoffs, and that's how you we build out these projections. Those numbers are strong for Buffalo, and, and it's funny because I actually didn't, hadn't even like seen them or thought about them in that context. The reason why I, I'm 
they're really strong and maybe even caught me off guard a little bit is because we don't think Buffalo has a great chance of getting that number one seed anymore. I mean, the Titans are in a really strong position relative to Buffalo up two games and they beat the bills. So they're kind of up two and a half on them. And we mentioned the bills, easy schedule. The Titans have an even easier schedule the rest of the way. So it's going to be really hard for Buffalo to get that number one seed. I think it's, I think it's pretty much, I wouldn't say it's out the window at this point, but it's a long shot for sure. But I think this speaks to the quality of, of how, how fervently the model believes in Buffalo um, going forward. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, I know that the, no question that, you know, Tennessee with the schedule and what they've done already, um, they lost Derrick Henry. So on the surface, it looks like a lot of people are like going, wow, we'll see how this goes. But there's also the Baltimore Ravens who came off a bye week last week, beat a tough uh, had a tough game against Minnesota. What are some of the other teams that are strong in your model uh, that also look like, man, maybe they will be there right at the at the one seed, or maybe sneak in, at, or you know, when you get past the one seed, nobody else gets a buy. How these teams fall at the end of the season and the matchups going into Wild Card Weekend are also a factor, and as to how you know how deep a, a run a team can make. What do you see when you project the playoff and who? You know, what seven teams are probably in, how do they line up and how they line up and what's the most advantageous lineup for a team like Tennessee or a Buffalo or, or Baltimore? Ooh, good question. So I think, I do think that Baltimore is, is the Baltimore and Buffalo would be like the primary challengers to Tennessee for that number one seed. It's hard to see anybody else. We give the chargers a 5% chance to get that spot. So, you know, it's possible, but uh, Baltimore also, they're a game, they're a game back from, from Tennessee. We consider those two teams to be roughly equals in terms of quality. And then when we simulate out the season as well, the Titans usually win the tiebreaker over Baltimore. So it's a little bit like, like kind of same deal. They've got about a one and a half game lead on the Ravens. Um, though, like you mentioned, they, they are down Henry. The AFC is murky. I mean, you know, it's not like it's not like the NFC where you have these kind of clear cut playoff teams and then these other teams that are that are getting in you know, or fighting for that seven seed. Like it's way murkier in the AFC. I'll throw out one that the models they they're our most upgraded team this week, and that's Cleveland. And I I still believe in Cleveland. To me, I think that what they're doing is. They are number one in our pass block win rate metric and pass rush win rate, win rate win rate metric. So, like when it comes to the trenches in the pass game, they are dominating there, and that stuff is important. I mean, we just you know we know it is, and I I have a hard time imagining that that's not going to help them down the stretch. I, I really think that that offensive line, Miles Garrett, that's a really dangerous dangerous group there and, and so yeah it's not the skill players we normally talk about but to me I'm thinking about Cleveland and how dangerous they could be down the road and then just with projected win totals because I know Bills fans are probably paper shooting the rest of the schedule as best they can and in your projections at least as far as AFC teams go it's Tennessee at 12.4 and then the Bills at 11.5 Baltimore 11.1 Chargers at 10.3 and I know Bills fans are going to be like, what? Only, only 11 wins, maybe 12. What the hell? And because, you know, they're trying to look at that number one seed. But as you pointed out, it's going to be hard to catch the Titans number one for the reasons you laid out. But 11.5 slash 5.5 losses, maybe just lay out 
how you get there. It's a simulation thing again, obviously, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so <laughs> I think what I would say to any Bills fan who is feeling like that number is low is uh, just remember what happened last Sunday. Like <laughs> you can lose at any point. I think yeah. I think that the Bills fans got a pretty pretty strong reminder of that. And so yeah, like when we basically what happens is each week we have a projected number for the Bills. So they have an 83% chance to beat the Jets. They have a 72% chance to beat the Colts the week after that. We have, they have a 63% chance to beat the Saints after that. You're favored in all those games, but I think the mistake that people make is looking at a schedule. And when you see favorite, 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 favorite going win, 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 when actually what's happening is we're saying, if you want to, if you're going to win those three games, right, it's 83% times 72% times 63%. Um, I'm reasonably good at math, but I don't have that one in my head. But I'm just saying, like, what happens when you start multiplying those games is uh, that number drops. And so the chances of, of you winning all of your all of these games you're favored in is, is not that high. And so that's how we get to 11.5 uh, for the end of the season. Yeah. So I know that you guys go through analytics and this is data points that you guys talk about. And, and it's, you know, it's mathematics and you can you kind of take the emotion out of it. But when you talk to fans, I mean, they watch Tennessee lose maybe the best player, maybe the best player in the league in Derrick Henry, and they go to L.A. They beat a good Rams team, but they get a couple of gifts given to them. So you got to – and so fans are thinking, man, Tennessee's teetering on a precipitous drop over the next couple of – next month or so when without Derrick Henry. And if they get a team that doesn't give them 14 points for free, they're going to struggle. How you know? How does do your analytics and data points take Derrick Henry's absence into consideration, and how does that work about the the problems that presents in in getting a projection without Derrick Henry in the projection? Yeah, it's tough. So the the short answer is no. We're the only individual players that we consider a quarterback. So when there's a quarterback change, if you're injured or there's a benching, whatever, we do account for that, but we don't account for any other positions. And so, yeah, you have a player like Derrick Henry, that's going to affect the Titans. I will say, you know, he was having from an efficiency standpoint, a down season. Uh, like I know that his rush, he was leading the league in rushing yards, but if you look at uh, his yards per carry, just simply, it was way down. If you look at um, what we like rush yards over expectation from next gen stats. He was, he was above average, but that's not what we expect from Derrick Henry, right? Like we expect him to be elite top one, top three, kind of like that. He was not doing that this year. I do think that Henry has an effect on the passing game though. Like if you, I've looked at the Titans numbers, you know, they get Brian Tannehill faces more, has more pass plays with eight defenders in the box because because Henry gravitate, you know, has that gravity brings forces opponents to play differently. Uh, when you have Henry on the field and someone else carries the ball, like like Tannehill, uh, Henry's gravity again actually helps. I think, uh, and you see more efficient rushing from that other player just because Henry's on the field and you can fake toss him or whatever. Um, as to like luck and whatever, I will say this, you know, I mean the Titans they have two games left against the Texans. They have a game left against the Jaguars. They have a game we left against the Dolphins. There is no team in the league with an easier remaining strength of schedule than the Titans. And so even though they are down right now, I don't think it takes that much to beat those teams. And so I, I would 
I think the Titans are in a very advantageous position. This is one of those things that I did not think about as much on Sunday night and Monday morning. I'm looking through the projections, seeing that we have them at a 57% chance to win the number one seed. And I'm like, what? And then I start diving in. And it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, look who, the, look who they play. Like, yeah. where, where are the losses? Well, hopefully they have a Jaguars week like the Bills did <laughs> last week, and they get a loss mixed in there somewhere, ideally two or three. Uh, Seth, thanks for spelling it out for us. As always, I can't guarantee your value above the replacement <laughs> of a win by the Bills this week against the Jets will do any better, but you certainly helped. So thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it as always. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Okay, Bills fans, does a chance to win a million dollars sound good to you? Then go to FanDuel.com and play their latest and easiest game, high-low, free-to-play in all 50 states. Each week, pick the NFL teams that you think will score highest and lowest in four different categories. And the closer you are to being right, the bigger the prize you could win. Just visit FanDuel.com slash high-low and play for free, just like Steve and I are going to do right now. So, Steve, this week you've got the highs, I've got the lows. So kick us off on your predicted high-point scorer this week. All right, high point score. I was gonna go with. I was gonna go for a team with a really good offense that's on a bounce back week. I was thinking Buffalo Bills, but the Bills are playing a division opponent in the Jets, and that's usually a closer game. I'm gonna go with the mm-hmm. Cowboys. They're playing the Falcons. The Falcons are 28th in points allowed, and Dallas coming off an embarrassing loss to Denver. Give me Dallas. I think they are gonna put their foot on the floor and score a ton of points against Atlanta. Okay, so low points. For me, I'm taking Washington. I know they're at home, but they're facing a Bucks team that for the most part has run up the score on teams. They've had trouble hanging with good opponents. So I think they're just going to beat up on Washington. I don't think Washington's going to do much on the scoreboard. And passing okay, so yards. Passing yards here. Yeah, I think passing yards. This is a really good week to take Derek Carr and the Raiders. I know they got nothing but turmoil over there. A couple of first-round draft picks out the door. Their head coaches out the door a month ago. But this is the kind of thing that they seem to thrive in. They're going to play the Chiefs in Vegas. And the Chiefs can't stop anybody. And this is still a rivalry that that dredges up a lot of passion for the guys in silver and black. So I think Derek Carr and the Raiders are going to light them up. All right. Uh, Low for passing yards. I think this one's a layup. Carolina. The Panthers are a mess at quarterback right now. Sam Darnold out of the lineup. He was turning the ball over. Now they have P.J. Walker. They brought in Matt Barkley this week. So with Christian McCaffrey healthy again, I think they run the heck out of the ball and basically turn P.J. Walker into a game manager. That means not a lot of production through the air. So Carolina's the pick for me here. What about rushing yards, Steve? Rushing yards, I'm going to go with Minnesota. They're up against the Chargers. They can't stop anybody on the ground this season. The Chargers have the worst run defense in football. And Dalvin Cook coming off some personal problems off the field will want to show his worth to everybody. He's going to go off. I think the Vikings run the football really, really uh, into the ground against the Chargers this week. All right, low for rushing yards. I was tempted to take the Jets here because they've had so much trouble, but I'm taking Tampa Bay. Washington has a good run defense just outside of the top 10, and the Bucs don't care if they can run the ball or not with Brady using the short passing game as a run game. So for me, I'm going to go with Tampa as the pick here. 
This week for sacks, I'm going to go with a high team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're playing the 0-8 Detroit Lions, and I think the Lions are on a steady decline. It's going to be hard for them to keep bringing it the more these losses add up, and until they play really well against somebody or get a win, I don't see them stopping this slide. And the Steelers, they're fifth in the league in sack percentage, and the Lions are 22nd in sacks against. Um, I just don't think anything is going to stop the Steelers this week, and I think their defensive front is going to shine. Yeah, I like that pick. Uh, finally, low for sacks. I'm going Jacksonville on the road in Indianapolis against a quality offensive line. I just don't see them duplicating their success of last week. So I am taking the Jaguars. So that's high low. Put your football fandom to the test for a chance to win a million dollars at fanduel.com slash high low. And that'll do it for us. Please subscribe so you know when the next episode is ready for you. And remember, when you need to know about the bills, you need to check bills by the numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. We'll catch you next week, everybody. 